I'm doing a series on uh, mentoring, and I'm, I'm thrilled that you're here to join us. Uh, we all need uh, a mentor of one sort or another, and when I uh, think of a mentor, sometimes it's not uh, one person that mentors you in, in all aspects of life. Uh, sometimes uh, it's more like a coach uh, that helps you in one specific uh, aspect of life. Uh, for instance, uh, as many of you know, I uh, picked up uh, road running a few years ago, and uh, one of the uh, terrible experiences of running a marathon is hitting the wall. And uh, what happens is you just basically run out of uh, fuel in your body. And uh, the challenge with this experience is it normally happens at about uh, 23 miles into the marathon. Marathon's 26 miles. And essentially, if you hit the wall, your race is over. I mean, you may be able to finish the race by walking, but if you're actually racing, uh, you're done. Uh, there's no way you can recover from it. Uh, so what's extremely helpful is uh, just being uh, coached. Uh, and that's why you join, like I did, the Hopkinton Running Club, where you uh, mix with people that have done this before, and they kind of help you uh, to understand and anticipate uh, what's coming ahead. So uh, I think we all need mentors in our lives to uh, help us with whatever area in life uh, we need a little bit of expertise. We need somebody that's been there before us uh, or knows a little more than what we know. Uh, specifically, uh, I'm interested in uh, spiritual things. Uh, now, uh, mentoring is broad. Uh, I tip my hat to Robert Coutte. He's been mentoring a young boy here in church uh, who's this young lad. He lost his dad, and uh, it was hard uh, for him to adjust. And Robert, every Monday night, meets with this guy, and he just, you know, he can't replace his dad. He can't be a father, but he can be a father-like figure for him. And uh, he doesn't have to uh, take on all the aspects that uh, this teen is dealing with, but he can at least love him and hang out with him and be there for him. And uh, that mentoring role is just really huge. Now, are there other needs in that uh, teen's life? Absolutely they are. But uh, the role that Robert is playing is really pivotal. And I just uh, admire him for pouring out his heart and his life, and his time in coaching, and helping, and mentoring, and just being there uh, for a teen who is really battling. And so uh, when I think of mentoring, I think of who's there in your life that's helping you as you do this walk, this journey that we call faith. Uh, it's quite normal in our spiritual walk uh, to encounter obstacles, uh, often in spiritual circles, they'll call them the dark night of your soul. And essentially what happens in these situations is uh, life is going along uh, pretty well for you, and then something unexpected happens. And I'm talking about something spiritually unexpected. And uh, the feeling is that Christ has abandoned you. Or you're praying and you just can't connect with God. Or God just seems distant. And, uh, you know, this can be a short period and it can be a prolonged period. 
And uh, it is extremely frustrating when you've experienced the love of God, you've experienced the closeness of God, you've experienced God leading you and directing you, and now all of a sudden you're going through a phase where uh, for the life of you, you can't connect with God. Uh, It is useful. It is really helpful uh, for somebody to mentor you, help you, Uh, who's already been there and been through those phases and is able to sort of uh, tell you about uh, what you can expect and how you can get through it. Uh, It's helpful not to just suffer uh, alone. So uh, we have another example of uh, somebody that's done a good job of preparing for the unfortunate uh, curveballs that life uh, throws at us. And that's Ron Fife. He's an, uh, an elder or an overseer, as we call them here in the church. And for many of you, you know that Ron is now in the front end of dealing with cancer, throat cancer. And, uh, you know, these things happen to us. It doesn't matter if you're strong in faith or weak in faith or don't have faith. Uh, I mean, these issues, faith, you know, they come our way. But what I like about Ron's approach to this is he's not in denial about it. Uh, He knows that he's in for a bumpy road ahead. But even though uh, he's got to face all this uh, treatment and chemotherapy, he's saying, God, uh, what can I learn from you? Lord, I I, I want to experience your presence uh, in a strange way. In my suffering, I want to encounter you in a way that I know I can't experience you any other way. And, uh, you know, that's a much healthier way of approaching uh, a terrible uh, ordeal that Ron's just started on, then approaching it from the standpoint of like, why on earth did this happen to me? I mean, why should I be the one that's, you know, having to go through this? Well, why not? I mean, we're all going to face trials and difficulties. So part of our mentoring is to have somebody Uh, put an arm around us and say, look, it's going to be okay. You will be okay. Let me help you through your struggle. Now, in uh, the the section that I'm looking at in 1st and 2nd Timothy, we have a wonderful biblical model where Paul, the apostle, is essentially putting his arm around this young uh, star, Timothy, and saying, Timothy, I'm going to help you uh, to grow up in the faith. And uh, we'll experience the ups and the downs together. And uh, today in my title uh, of my message uh, is mentoring guidance in good times and in bad times. And in bad times. So let me just uh, tell you what I want you to get out of this uh, sermon. Is I, I would love you to get a solid biblical understanding of the profound love that God has for you, even when God seems hidden, even when God seems absent. I I, I want to sort of prepare you spiritually for adversity, for when adversity hits, not if it hits, when it hits. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you'd empower my preaching. I, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to move in our hearts. Lord, just allow us, Lord God, Uh, to understand your truth. Uh, In your name, Jesus. Amen. I think in uh, spiritual circles, uh, 
it's easy for us and natural for us to press heavily on the scriptures that uh, give us hope and uh, give us faith and uh, are victorious, where, we, where God helps us overcome illness and sickness and he heals us miraculously. Uh, and it's good to uh, lean into that and to draw faith from that. However, it's a mistake to uh, believe that we only live a victorious life that never, as a believer, we never encounter any obstacles or downside. If your faith is that way, when you encounter a downside, you're going to get totally blindsided. Uh, And sometimes, honestly, uh, what we believe and what we think does make a huge difference in how we get through things. Uh, A commentator and uh, author, his name is Eric Metaxas, uh, he says this about depression. He says he suffers from depression. And uh, he says, and I'm reading what he's written, people can believe all the right things, and it still might not be enough. So you can believe all the right things, and it might still not, might not be enough. But this is not the same thing as saying that our beliefs are immaterial when it comes to depression and suicide. Therapists treating people for anxiety and depression often use what's known as cognitive behavioral therapy, which starts from the assumption that the illnesses are due in part to maladaptive thinking. Anyone who has struggled with depression knows what maladaptive thinking feels like. It's like a tape of sorts running in your head, filled with largely untrue messages of helplessness and hopelessness. Since people believe that what they think is true, the thoughts influence our actions and our moods. Overcoming depression requires turning off the tape, which is easier said than done. So, you know, the insight that he's giving us here is uh, sometimes we need coaching to help us to see the way things really are. Because what we are thinking in our heads sometimes isn't the reality. Uh, We've got a tape running in our heads saying things to us that we start believing. We need somebody outside of who we are to say, no, let me speak truth into you. Uh, Let me give you some hope. Let me give you perspective. Let me give you God's viewpoint on this situation. Uh, In other words, sometimes we can't just self-help our way out of the situation. God has designed us to be dependent on others. So I do want to look at uh, this biblical truth, this tension between both the glory of God and the suffering of God, both, both together. Uh, Paul was in jail when he wrote 2 Timothy, and he was also in jail when he wrote uh, Philippians. Now, let me just read three verses for you, two from Philippians and one from 2 Timothy. Philippians 1.29 For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering from him. Now, let me just hazard a guess that probably not too many of you 
have the second part of that verse underlined and highlighted and memorized in your Bible. I mean, the part that says the privilege of suffering for him. You know, that's just like, we kind of read the verse this way. For you have given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, we say, yeah, we like that. That's a great privilege. But the suffering part, let's quickly get over that. Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Amen. I do too. And I hope that tonight when you show up for the healing service that Helen and Sue are putting on, that you experience the mighty power of God. But look what it says as well in that verse. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Now again, I guess you don't have that verse, the latter part of that verse underlined. I want to suffer with him. 2 Timothy 3.12 Yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Will. Not might. You will. Uh, So... That is the tension that we live in. And it really is both and. And we cannot just have the one without the other. Now let's, for a moment, let's just at least pause and focus on the good news. The good news is that God really, really does love us. And we can experience that love. And there are times in our lives where the power of God breaks through into our lives and we experience phenomenal healing and we experience phenomenal blessing and we experience God's guidance and God is very clear to us and it's, you know, it's just glorious. Uh, It's also tremendously good news that Christ died on the cross for us and in doing so, he has made a way available to us so we can have access to the Father. In other words, our sins have been canceled out. There's a sense where God looks at you and says, you are perfect. I love you just the way you are. And yet we know simultaneously that we've messed up badly. And Jesus says, yes, that's why I died on the cross. Yes. But when I look at you, I love you. God is saying, I love you. That's tremendous good news. I mean, it's very freeing. And to know that, God knows all the things that we've done, but he's forgiven us. It's good news. But there is this tension in the kingdom, this mystery. Let me read a few more uh, verses to you. 2 Timothy 1.12. That is why I am suffering here in prison. The way the verse just starts out, that's why I'm suffering here in prison. What you don't get a sense of from Paul is that I'm totally surprised that I'm in prison. You don't get any sense that he's been rejected by God. You don't get any sense that uh, Jesus has somehow let him down. Uh, In fact, the exact opposite. Uh, Paul is saying, because I've been spreading the good news, because I've been advocating for Christ, because I've been telling people about this great freedom that we can experience in Christ and the good news, because of that, I'm being persecuted. And I totally expect it. Second Timothy 2.3, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Second Timothy 2.10, so I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory 
uh, in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. And then the verse which I've chosen for today, 2 Timothy 3.12, yes, everyone who lives a godly life uh, a, life of God, a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But look also at 2 Timothy 4, 5 through 7. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, 2 Timothy 4, 5 through 7. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news. And fully carry out the ministry God has given you. You know, uh, Paul is obviously given an example of extreme suffering. I mean, here he is in prison, and in Second Timothy is about to be uh, executed, and he seems to have a very positive uh, attitude about this. And yet, the reality is, for many of us, our fear of being rejected by our peers is so overwhelming that we are not willing to incur the smallest little bit of suffering. I mean, for instance, uh, I think it would be a good example or a good goal for all of us to say, can I invite at least one person to church just maybe once in a year? I mean, how's that for a low bar? Like, you know, once in a whole year, I'll just like take this huge risk and I invite one person to come to church. And yet, if you look back on your life for a year, you probably haven't invited a single person. Why? Because you're worried about, well, what will that person think? And I'm going to face rejection. You know, that was a situation in my life. Uh, my girlfriend, now my wife, was uh, really petrified to invite me to church because she thought I'd break up the relationship. You know what? I am, no exaggeration, eternally grateful that somehow or other she plucked up the courage and invited me to church. It totally changed my life. I mean, I wasn't resistant to wanting to come to church. I just had never been asked at uh, 28 years old. And she invited me to church. I finally received Christ. My, uh, I haven't looked back since. I, you know, we worry about the rejection. But can we really grasp like Paul does, you know, it, that the suffering is worth it when we see the rewards that come from people's lives being transformed by coming to Christ? He says... As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. Now, here's the long-term perspective that Paul has and we should also have. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. I mean, there is an eternal perspective uh, that we should be living in. And Paul does it well. Let me just concentrate here because I think this is helpful. When we have these difficult experiences, be it depression, be it, you know, just life in general, whatever has caused uh, a sense of God seeming absent in your life, let me just suggest that God is not absent, but he is hidden. And there's a huge difference. Uh, there's this wonderful story 
in Luke when Jesus has already been resurrected and he's walking along with his disciples on the road to Emmaus. Many of you are familiar with this story. And the disciples, for the life of them, do not know that it's Jesus. Jesus is hidden. And for these disciples walking along the road, they are so depressed, they are so anxious, they are so worn out, they are, they are totally downcast. And yet Jesus is right alongside of them. Now, their whole perspective changed when they realized it was Jesus and that they weren't abandoned and Jesus was indeed with them. And, of course, that took Jesus to reveal himself to them. There are times in our lives, honestly, when we pray like crazy and it just seems like God is not hearing us. He's hidden. Uh, Psalm 22 one says this, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Now, that's a great psalm. That's a great place to turn when that expresses where you're at. You're calling out for God. You're asking for advice. You're seeking God's hand in your life. You're looking for a healing. You're looking for a miracle. You're looking for God to intervene, and it's just nothing. And it's like, God, where are you? And, you know, often, uh, if we could speak to God the Father, we might say, God, where are you? And God might just answer exactly where I always am. In heaven, with everything under control, I have all power. Because remember, that's exactly what his son cried out when, on the, when he was on the cross. He quoted that psalm. So we read in Mark fifteen thirty four. Where Jesus cries out to God, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? What I'm trying to say is this. In our humanity, we are going to go through times where it feels like God has abandoned us. And what I'm trying to uh, help you with in a message, which is certainly who wants to talk about suffering and pain, what I'm trying to help you with by bringing this message up is to say if you have a realistic understanding that God is not, he hasn't disappeared, he may be hidden, it will greatly alleviate the anxiety and the pain that you experience. You say this is normal Christianity, normal faith. And what I'm also saying is it's greatly helpful if you've got somebody that can put an arm around your shoulder and walk you through it and say it's going to be okay. You know, if we look at one of the most famous psalms, and this has sort of recently just become uh, one that just seems to be going back to all the time, Psalm 23. For many, Psalm 23 is like just worn out. You know, it's just, you've kind of read it or you know it so well or you're familiar with it that it's kind of lost its punch. But for me, it seems like Psalm 23 all of a sudden is just becoming fresh in my life again. But if you read Psalm 23... The, the sort of the gist of it isn't like you go from one mountaintop experience to another mountaintop experience because you have this incredible faith in Jesus and it's just, you know, from glory to glory with no dips in between. No, Psalm 23 tells you that you're going to go through the valley of the shadow of death. Now look, if you're going through a valley of the shadow of death, it feels like God has abandoned you. Because if God was like 
if you sense God was right there with you, you would say, well, this is no worry. This is no concern uh, because God is right with me. Uh, there's no fear. There wouldn't be any sense of loneliness. And yet, right in Psalm 23, God is saying, I am right alongside you, even when you go through those dark valleys. And it's very helpful to know that God has not abandoned us. I want to uh, try and get in the habit of preaching shorter messages, so uh, I'm going to bring this to a, uh, a close by summarizing it this way. Uh, if you're suffering from depression, uh, if you're suffering from anxiety, if you're suffering from a sense of abandonment, uh, do not be caught off guard. There is a sense where others have been through this, others can help you through this, and it is helpful to lean on others in times like this. Somebody uh, put it this way, which I thought was helpful. They said, you know, I've tried uh, suffering alone, and that didn't work out as well as suffering with the Lord. So, you know, you choose. Do you want to do this alone, or do you want somebody, uh, some godly person, uh, to help you? I will say practically, he has uh, two easy ways of being mentored or not doing life alone. One is exactly what you are doing now. Attend church regularly. What you will find is God will speak to you personally when you attend church regularly. Uh, that's what God does. Uh, the other broad advice I give is to consider joining a life group. We've just started them out. They haven't been formed yet. Try one out. If you like it, stick around. If you don't like it, try another one. Uh, the life group benefit is it's smaller. It's more intimate. Uh, there's a chance that uh, people get to know you better, can pray for you personally, and you'll have the chance of being mentored, not controlled, but helped by others who have been there before you. So uh, let, let, me just, uh, let me just end there. Lord Jesus, I just ask that we truly can give you these struggles in our lives. When we go through these difficult phases, uh, Lord, we think about the Apostle Paul sitting in prison and not feeling like it was a waste of time, not even sensing that you've abandoned him, but, Lord, that he had a perspective of what life really looks like in a fallen world, but also having a perspective and a longing and the hope of being with you in eternity. Lord, I just pray that you'd impress that on our hearts. That both here, Lord, we experience your comfort directly, your comfort through others, mentoring us, helping us. But also, Lord, the hope of an eternity with you. Lord, right now we just hand you, we give you our struggles. 
Lord, we, we just present you the things where we wish they were different. And Lord, we just uh, present you the way we would have liked it to turn out or the way we would like things to be. But Lord, we just do it with open hands, saying your will be done. Lord, you breathe life into me. Let's just take a, a minute and maybe just be silent. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Does anybody uh, feel like the Lord is uh, impressing on them uh, a, uh, maybe a prophetic word or a word of encouragement or something that's stirred up in them today? I know I don't do this that often. I'm catching a little of God. Nan, why don't you come on up and share that up here? Earlier in the service, while we were worshiping, I, I sense that there are many who are carrying some deep pain and suffering. And I just sense that God is so in line with what you're preaching that, that, that God wants you to offer up to him your sufferings that this is a precious thing to God as you offer up your sufferings. That this is what you can do in your suffering. You offer it up to God. Uh, Jesus offered himself up on the cross to God, and it was a pleasing sacrifice to God, and God took that sacrifice and brought something so beautiful from it, and he wants to bring something so beautiful from what you're going through. The offerings and sacrifices of God are broken and contrite spirit. So offer them up. This is pleasing to God. Offer up those things that have so burdened you and caused you fear. Put them in his hands. And again, I, I just encourage you, if that's you, honestly, don't leave here today without having somebody pray for you. Uh, it's helpful to pray alone, for sure. It's also helpful to have somebody pray for you and pray with you. So if that's you, you know, before our service is done, um, uh, Kevin, what did you have this morning when prayer won't you come share with us? Uh, this morning, there was a couple things. Um, one, there was a sense that uh, there, there might be someone here today who feels like they're kind of plastic, kind of plastic-coated, sort of this fakeness, may, maybe un unwillingness to uh, reveal something about yourself. And uh, I just believe there's an invitation for the Lord to melt that plastic and, 
and bring out what's what's real. Um, does anybody feel like this morning that that the Lord is inviting you to kind of melt that plastic, that whatever that is, off? Right. I'm asking you to be courageous. Okay. Um, secondly, there was a, a picture of this um, this person. They were in the desert, kind of. Um, you know, re- really thirsty, really parched, on, on their camel, feeling like uh, they, they weren't going to make it. And then all of a sudden they came to this oasis. And um, I, I just believe that uh, may- maybe there's uh, someone here this morning who feels like you're really thirsty, you're, you're not going to make it. And Jesus said he's the living water. And uh, maybe you need that that drink, that that oasis this morning. Um, does anyone else feel like that's that's you? You feel like you're thirsty this morning? Okay. All right, great. You know, part of uh, acknowledging is it builds faith within you and within uh, in us. It's part of the healing process, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just want to encourage you to uh, respond to the Lord. If if you'd like prayer for uh, anything at all, um, we, we would love to spend some time praying with you. So why don't you stand? Uh, uh, if you'd like prayer, why don't you come on down? Our ministry team will pray for you. Let's do a closing song, and then we'll uh, spend the rest of our time uh, just in ministry and prayer. So come on down if, if you want prayer or anything that's been uh, mentioned. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your presence. I just pray for a blessing on your people, Lord, as they leave this place. Lord, that your presence will be with them the rest of this week. Lord, that may your grace and your mercy be with your people. In your name, Jesus, amen. Bless you, folks. You're welcome to hang out in your seats and pray. I encourage you to come forward if you need to receive prayer. But if you need to uh, dialogue and get in a conversation, get a cup of coffee, hang out in the lobby. Bless you.